welcome to this very special episode of Daddy Unscripted, a proud member of Osiris Media. I'm Tim Wheaton, your podcast host. everybody welcome to a short little episode another one of the just solo me episodes and i'm really glad you're all here i'm glad you're here here and like on this planet and i'm glad that you are here listening to this episode i hope this is one that you feel worthy of sharing around uh i'm going to again daddy unscripted i am going to do some that is me reading something that i wrote at two in the morning the other day it was something that it was really on my heart and in my mind and i've just been waking up at odd times and am just kind of thinking about things lately i don't know if anybody else has been doing that a lot but i could not keep myself from kind of getting it out of my soul any longer and so I sat at like 2.20 and wrote until almost 4 in the morning. Aren't phones great? (laughs) I was typing some of it and some of it I was dictating. It was really nice to be able to do that so I'm going to read that to you guys and the unscripted part I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit about my feelings as well but This may be one of those episodes that either you don't pay attention to at all, so those of you who aren't aren't even hearing me say that, or something that resonates with you in some way, or something that you feel compelled to share or even talk back to me about, which I am completely 100% open to. I am in a very big learning stage still right now, pretty much daily. And I will get into that more, but let me get into some of the business side as a podcast, as a very proud member of Osiris Media. Okay, one of the benefits of my having taken (laughs) way too long to edit this episode and get it out, I apologize for that, but one of the big benefits has been the announcement recently by Osiris Media that we have a new nonprofit organization that we are working with during this part of the year. It is FREE. The acronym is P-H-R-E. It's Fans for Racial Equity. FREE is a community of fish and jam band fans that promotes racial equity and respect for difference within the fish and greater jam band community and beyond. Free strives to make the community a more welcoming space for people of all races and ethnicities. Free was founded in 2017 and has an active social media presence with over 1,500 members in its Facebook group. Recent free activities have included tabling inside fish shows, working with music venues to implement racial equity training for staff, hosting an all-day virtual retreat that included a public panel, highlighting the experiences of fans of color in the fish community and raising almost $5,000 for the racial justice organization, Color of Change. 
upcoming activities include mobilizing the community to support Black Lives Matter organizing and also to advocate that venues and bands use their influence to enact changes around policing in communities that fans visit to see shows, building out intervention training for fans, and creating videos for fans to tell their stories. Please come check free out at their Facebook page, which is Fans for Racial Equity, and that's fans with a P-H, P-H-A-N-S. Their Twitter is Fan for Race Q, basically, which is P-H-A-N-F-O-R-R-A-C-E-Q. Their Instagram is Fans for Racial Equity, or you can even email them at fansforracialequity at gmail.com. I will have all that in my show notes, but I couldn't be more happy of the very serendipitous timing of them announcing this over email to all of us Osiris Media Podcasts that this was taking place. So I was very happy to come back, sit down, record this little spot so I could put it on this episode. Of course, hello, obvious. So thank you so much. Check free out wherever you can. Check the show notes for all of those ways to support them and help them out with their very important cause amongst the group. Find them in any of those social media platforms, support them, reach out to them, do what you can to help them make this very big move that is extremely overdue and very integral to some of the longevity and to the awareness of the jam band community as a whole. Daddy Unscripted is sponsored by Harry's. So in this time right now where we are all kind of dealing with, I know I think about this all the time, what could I be spending this money on instead? Do I really need to buy this thing? So some of you still need to slash want to shave, keep up that appearance that you want to keep up. And for me, I need to shave because I have to wear a mask all day when I'm at work. And it just doesn't work great with a beard. So think about these things. How much could you save in one year by switching the razors that you are currently buying to Harry's? You could save enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City. Enough for three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago. Enough to pay six months of your precious Netflix subscription. And how can you do this? Harry's delivers high-quality razor blades as low as $2 each, which is a fraction of price of the leading brand and saving you hundreds of dollars over time. For me, I love so many things about Harry's. I love not just the razors and how close the shave is, but all the other products that come along with it that can come with this trial set that you order, which I'll tell you about in a second. But the smell of the shave gel is really nice. Like it is appealing to me. My wife doesn't smell me and then say, what the heck have you done? And make me either go wash my face or put on like some oil or something to make it smell better. It actually smells really good. So here's a special offer for all of you listeners. You can get a Harry's trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com backslash daddy. Harry's is a return to the essential. It's got quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. Like I said, they've cut out the middleman. They are manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. 
They're super convenient. The blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule, whether you get a subscription or not. So you don't have to go out and buy anything anywhere. They're coming right to you. And like I said, they're more than just razors. They have all your grooming needs covered in one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry's is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. And feel a little bit better about your purchase because 1% of proceeds are set aside always for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and for veterans. Additionally, to help support those who need it most right now, Harry's is donating $1 million worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the U.S. That makes me proud to be sponsored by Harry's, that part right there. So, listeners of my show, you can go and redeem your Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash daddy. And in that trial set, you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com backslash daddy to start shaving and saving today. And as I said, as part of Osiris Media, go to osirispod.com, check out the other podcasts. There are so many great things that are coming out right now. The Krasno Plus One podcast with Eric Krasno talking with other musicians. Recently, he's just brought out a two-parter with Questlove, who I, as a Prince fan and as a big fan of The Roots, I love Questlove, so I was so stoked about those conversations. He's also had other great interviews for you guys to check out, so check out Kraz Plus One. And also, there is a great new podcast called Past, Present, Future Live, which features RJB sitting and talking with the musician about the entire career path of them as a musician. And then at the very end, they feature a couple of tracks or so of them playing music which is like the coup de gras of musicians. What more do you want from an episode? So check out both of those Osiris podcasts and find everybody else at OsirisPod.com. Okay, let's get to the meat of this episode. And I've called it Black Lives More Than Matter, which I'm not trying to take over the Black Lives Matter movement or one-up them or anything like that because Black Lives Matter is truly where that all started and is what it's about. But they, I've started to see some of those other people that are saying the shirts or whatever that you're seeing that say matter is the minimum. And for me, so I just kind of thought black lives more than matter because it truly is like lives mattering is really the bare minimum. And I think that's part of what resonates about the Black Lives Matter movement so much to me, that they're just at least trying to get people to understand and to agree and to say out loud that Black lives do matter. That's the fact that we even have to take that first step is, <laughs> it makes me shake my head like, we can't take it further than that, but we really can't like as, as a nation, as a country, as all of the people across the board here, we obviously need to start with that baby step 
where we're able to acknowledge and do the things that show that black lives matter. And so every time that I've heard that, now that I've really started kind of thinking about this more for the past month plus when I'm hearing black lives matter, it is sending off that little alarm in my head of God, I wish it would, wouldn't it be so great if we were further beyond that point of just being able to make that agreement as a nation of people that black lives matter. So for me, like, I don't know, my life has always been steeped in black, not only black culture, but in black individuals. You know, it reminds me of one of the memes that I've seen a lot of, which goes a little something like, if only people loved black people as much as they love black culture, which totally struck a chord with me thinking about all of the things in black culture that I do love and how I've kind of always been that way. I don't know why or how it started, but even from the time I was a kid, like I loved, I I know this somehow originated with my dad, but I was seeking out old blues music. I was seeking out things on chess records, I believe it was. I was listening to this local AM radio station during the night that would play old blues. And I was so into some of those old blues artists and buying tapes (laughs) of Howlin' Wolf and some of those old blues guys at way too young of an age to be interested in that. And I was thinking about this the other day, like so many of my heroes have been black people, not only black men, but black women. And whether it's athletes or musicians or actors and actresses, whatever it may be, there have been so many people that have like, if if I just removed them from my liking and from my world of what builds me into who I am, I would be so much less complete. I, I just... I can't even imagine it. I can't imagine like you guys who know me and have listened to me and heard some of my episodes before. I cannot imagine my world without Prince alone. Like that's, let's just start there. If I didn't have the music and the genius and the brilliance and all of the things that come with Prince in my life, from the time that I was 12 or 13 years old, I, it's impossible. It's impossible to separate that part of my life and to think about all of the things that came from Prince. You know, I talk a lot about on my, on my podcast about how we touch people's lives that we never, never know and how there's kind of like these tendrils that go out from us to other people. And I think with some musicians or some very important icons in your life, that kind of happens. So all of the music that Prince brought me to and how important music is to me is like my life would be so much less complete. And then when you go to athletes, I I can't imagine liking sports and not loving black people. (laughs) I, 
I laugh at that because it seems comical to me. To me, I don't see how I could possibly do that. And some of them are black Americans and some of them are black Puerto Ricans or black Dominicans. But I cannot imagine a world where I don't think that black people are equal to or better than me when I love Michael Jordan so much or where I love Big Poppy, David Ortiz so much or Jackie Bradley Jr. or all of these black baseball players or basketball or whatever. Like how in the world could I like want to spend time with Randy Moss and then say that I don't care about black people. And I know that's just me. I am who I am and not everybody is like me. I get that. We are born as individuals and we are unique and I don't want everybody to be like me or to be me. Gosh, I can't even imagine, think of a world like that. That would not be great. But to think as a white person who looks up to and whose life is filled with so much more joy and creativity and fullness by black people of all different lifestyles and personalities. I used to love Eddie Murphy and I remember going and seeing Beverly Hills Cop when I should, there's no way I should have been getting into a theater to see Beverly Hills Cop with my best friend, Jason, and coming out of the movie theater and just quoting Eddie Murphy, seeing Delirious and having the tape of Delirious and all of these things that I have always loved in black culture. And I think that I would have embraced black people that much if I had an opportunity. But all of my years in Laguna Beach, California, in Orange County, I was not getting a lot of exposure with black people at all. You know, the, there were very few black people that I remember in Laguna Beach at that time in my youth. Um, one of which went on to become an Olympic volleyball player, Dane Blanton, um, and the Blanton family. And they were amazing. And I remember my, my dad and my family always loving them the same way we would love anybody else. And in elementary school, I don't think I had any experience with black kids in my school. It wasn't until high school. And there were these three sisters that were black, one of which was a year younger than me and her sisters that were much older. And they used to think I was hilarious because I was this little kid on the bus listening to Run DMC on a Walkman and rapping along to it. And they just got such a kick out of me doing that. And all of the things that I knew about rap music somehow that we found and tapped into in maybe 1984 or so when it was just kind of really starting to hit it big out in the West Coast. So I think about that with all of the quote unquote famous people that are out there that have affected me and my life and make my life richer and fuller. And then I think about my black friends, my black acquaintances, and people that I have worked with um, in multiple different ways. 
that I have photographed and worked with in that way. There are so many people that I truly enjoy. There are people that I hold dearly in my heart, that I respect, that I would not be the person that I am, if not even for the interactions that I have had with them. And a lot of that does honestly mean just little things. These little things of my understanding of my place in this world as a white man. And I got into some of that in some of this stuff that I wrote. And you talk about white privilege. Like as I was talking through some of this stuff, and I have not read, I will tell you, like I have I've been listening to the How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. I've been listening to his audiobook of it. I have not gotten all the way through it. And I have, but have not yet read the book that has been going around by Robin D'Angelo that's called White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. I haven't read it yet. I am going to. But with all of that, with everything that's going on right now, with my pondering the fact that as a white man, what is afforded to me what my day-to-day life is and can be like just because of those things that can make my life so easy and in comparison with some of my black friends it can be a world of difference to what their daily life can be like and that has really smacked me in the face over the past month or so now, especially this night or early morning when I was doing this writing, I really settled in to think about that a little bit more about what it means to be a white man right now. And there was a time recently where I made a tweet and I can't remember what it was in response to, but it got like more activity than a lot of my other tweets have. And it was somebody posting a video of a white person doing something. And I said something to the effect of, I'm seeing this. And again, I'm a little bit ashamed of the fact that I share this person's color. For me, that was a response that I had to to yet another white man doing something that made me feel very disgusted and was something that is something I would never, ever do. So a lot of people responded to that. Some some white people responded to that with aggression of like, how dare you? How could you react in that way where you're turning away from your race or whatever? And I, I, I was saying like, I, I'm not turning away from my race. I'm hearing what you're saying and I maybe should have worded this different or could have worded it differently. But there are many things that I can do with my whiteness. And it allows a lot of us, whether we are white men or white women, to be able to walk around in a way that is so much different than it is for black people. And I've been in some of those circumstances that trigger in on that a little bit. You know, I've traveled around the world and I remember being in a place in the Philippines where It was in the Philippines alone, it was a little bit dangerous for white people. 
you were kind of targeted to some extent because, you know, there were kidnappings of white people. They would want to kidnap white people so that they could extort money from their families or whatever. There was also a lot of like bombings and coups and all these things that were not really dangerous for white people but as somebody who was traveling there you could be in a place where you where other people maybe knew you were not supposed to be but you didn't really know it and there were actually streets that they would tell us like on our first trips there from my work do not go into this area it's extremely dangerous if you are a alone as a white person but even if there are a couple of you do n- avoid this neighborhood or or whatever it was And there were a couple of times where I found myself in places that I was supposed to avoid at times that I was absolutely supposed to avoid it. And I didn't know and I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And there was no way to not be there at that time or something like that. And that fear is intense. Like the something could happen. It's kind of like what we're all feeling with COVID. You know, like you're out there and you don't know who to trust. You don't know who has it. You don't know how you could get it from this person who is refusing to wear their mask or whatever it may be. And it was feeling like that. And I I felt that fear that I think a lot of black people will feel for some of them on a daily basis because of where they live or because of where they work. And the people that they work with or the people that are in their neighborhood or whatever that may be. And God, that is a humbling fear to feel that as somebody who doesn't have to feel it every single day for me as a white male and to have actually felt it and to be able to say, I'm able to keep that in a very small range of my life. Like I know I'm not going to go to that part of the Philippines, which for so many of you white people, you're never going to go to the Philippines. So you don't have to really think about that. So that's a completely out of this world worry. But for black people who maybe live in a mostly white area that let's say is a mostly white area that has a lot of very strong racial inequities, etc., they are the ones that are being told as kids by their parents what to do and what not to do. And some of those things, I've seen some of these videos by Black people, and it's made me really take pause thinking about, as a parent too, thinking about my kids and thinking about knowing to keep them safe, that I have to have this conversation with them to tell them not to drive with their music loud, not to put their hands in their pockets. If they are ever stopped by a policeman, like all of these many, many things that they cannot do and have to do, and all of these other things to do to not get stopped by a policeman or to not get followed in a store when they're just walking around shopping, it's mind-blowing. So as a parent, that hits me in a completely different way as well. But I'm, I'm just going to read for you what I wrote. Um, so this will be daddy scripted portion of the show. But I'm going to read for you what I wrote because it really does 
hit me very hard and it resonates with me. And I think the way that I kind of wrote it, it's fairly conversational. So it won't sound like I'm reading a book to you, but I feel like I need to get these things out here. And I, part of the reason of putting this episode out is because I feel that this is a part of my ability as a white person to use my voice to say what I believe in and to say, this is my position. This is my stance. I am 100% with black people in this 100%. So let me dig into this and I'll just I'll say I never do this really well on the on the episodes, but I'm going to take put a little break here for an ad and then I'm going to read it to you. And I'll give you a little background on this writing. This actually started as a tweet and this conversation that I talk about right at the beginning of it happened a little earlier in the day that same day. I actually pulled over After this conversation that I had with somebody over text, I was using voice text, so I wasn't texting while driving, but it made me need to pull over for a minute. And then I typed out this one tweet and realized that it was going to be more. And so I just started driving and thinking about it or whatever. And then that night, I started adding to it as if it was just going to be a series of tweets. And then it just became much lengthier than that. And I just kind of rolled with it. So this was kind of meant in that way. So the beginning of it may kind of come off that way. You may be able to tell that there's like these small breaks that are taking place in it, but we'll see. This was written the morning of June 27th in its entirety, and I'm recording this on June 30th, so just for some perspective. A friend of mine just texted and asked me if I've watched 13th on Netflix yet. I told her my history of watching it, how much it affected me the first time I saw it, and then I just started to cry. I fully recognize how emotional the subject of racism makes me, And a lot of that falls on the shoulders of how much I care about my black friends, on how much respect I have for them, on how much I often worry about how racism affects them and their families. It grieves me to my core every time I imagine the conversations these now grown black adults had as children about the things they had to watch out for, the very normal things they needed to avoid doing in public, things that I as a person who was simply born white, never ever had to think twice about. And I never have to think about them twice today either. For my friends, it meant the inability to live their life freely. Not fully free, ever. They always had to have that awareness, to some extent present in their minds. And this is rocking my world right now as I'm thinking about it. Thinking about me in the 70s as a little white boy running around my streets with my friends, playing cops and robbers, or yes, even back then, playing cowboys and Indians, and running around with toy guns, never having to think a single thing about that. People driving by up and down our street, we probably even waved at neighbors we knew with the guns in our hands. Thinking about the unbridled recklessness that I was able to have as a little white kid. 
I know that some extra weight may be put on the fact that that was back in the 70s, but had I have been born black, I can't imagine having anywhere near that amount of freedom. I'm assuming, and I'm presuming a lot here, I admit, since my experience was so much different than that of my black friends, and it still is, but this all makes me fully aware of how I am in the most elite group of a free human being. Whether I asked for that or not, whether I like it or not, whether I use it or abuse it or not, but as a white male, I have and have had the most free life experience here in the United States. And as I'm saying that, it dawns on me that I don't have the worries that any woman has to have. The wariness and smarts that my wife and I started years ago to try to impart upon our now 11-year-old daughter. The multiple conversations that happen between mother and daughter. The situations that women from a young age have to learn to avoid at all costs. I never had to learn or do any of that. As a straight, white male, I, again, am at an even higher level of safety and freedom. I don't have to try to learn some kind of spidey sense that those in the LGBTQ plus community need to learn. I am not a direct target of hate from some or from many. I don't have to tone down my personality around certain or any groups of people out of fear. I don't have to try my best to always be in numbers more than just myself for sheer safety reasons. Now think of that and tack onto it being black, black women, black LGBTQ+. And these are the groups where a lot of my black friends live within, thinking of how much fear they are forced to live with on a daily basis makes me cry as I type this. It makes me feel nauseous at times. I want to scream out that it is not fair, as childish and silly as it sounds to say something of that nature about it not being fair. It just isn't. These beautiful souls, these beautiful human beings, these people who continue to teach me so many things, all of these individuals that I know, And they have to live their life to whatever extent with a corner of their thoughts in their consciousness at all times being filled or touched with fear. And those fears are represented by numerous things or people that can range from white people in general to cops and most definitely to white men to me as high up on the chain of people who feel free in the USA, from that same place of privilege, I also represent likely one of the highest levels of potential aggressor to black people, to people of color, even to my black friends. And again, I know this may come off or may be a bit presumptuous because I'm a white man, but I'm just going with it here. In some ways, This maybe is serving as a letter to all of my black friends, a letter of gratitude for their friendship. I am not worthy of a lot of things in my life, but to this point that my black friends have opened themselves up to me, it is a blessing to me, one I fully recognize and I do not take it for granted. 
In my time as a photographer, I've had the extreme and humble pleasure of working with a number of beautiful black women. And when I say that word beautiful, I'm able to say it to describe these individuals about their entire person. Each one of them has a beautiful soul. And when I imagine them choosing to work with me, of all of the photographers out there, that gives me great pause because it fills me with pride and I take it in with extreme humility. As a photographer, I have worked with models and also with women who are not, per se, trying to make it in the modeling world. I've always put great care into that, and I've been proud to take part in an effort to show how beautiful each of these women are. So to be a part of that has been extremely meaningful to me and very important. To give them any extra moment of confidence, of self-love, that means the world to me. That is absolutely worth everything. So how do we do that if you take away the camera? Or how do we do that for any human being, regardless of gender? How do we elevate others? I think that the why of it should not even be a question, right? That should be a given. We should all be able to clearly see the widespread benefit of what happens if and when we all go about life in love. If we all put time, effort, and energy into elevating other people, into making them feel loved and respected and honored, think about a world full of people who feel that way, who feel themselves. So that is the why of it. But let's look at how do we do all of that? How do we all do that? How do we make others feel that way? I myself, I'm working on this daily. I'm trying to make it a higher priority in my life to reach out to my friends. And yes, in this last month plus, that has meant more focus being put toward my black friends. Because I am aware of how many of them may be hurting right now hurting extra because I hear so many black people saying how tired they are right now. And I don't want them to be tired. I know that they are feeling this wave of change that has started to build, even if it is just the smallest wave right now. And I know how much they want to keep pushing that. And I want them to, and I need them to. And I feel this so deeply right now that I need to, too. I have work to do. As the white man that I was born into this world as, that has a heart for others, and that believes that each and every moment of every day, past, present, and future, that black lives not only matter, but are necessary. God, even that doesn't cover it. Black lives are meaningful. They are beautiful. They are filled with magnificent ideas. They are lives, period. Exclamation point. I have friends who have trusted me and have opened their own lives and hearts to me. So as a privileged white man, I fully embrace and recognize the need to use my voice, to raise my voice. And I speak up for my friends and for their families and for those that they love. See them. See them for who they are. See their color. 
Treat them with love and with care as you would with anyone. Their blackness does not make them undeserving of that. Just as I feel my whiteness does not make me deserving of anything more than any other person. I, I, that's how it ended. I don't really know what else to add to that or how to finalize this gigantic verbal or written exclamation point on this paper other than what my kind of key phrase has been ringing around in my head lately of black lives more than matter. If someone cannot recognize that, my my immediate reaction, I was just going to say it too. I, I don't know what to do for those people, but I need to find out. I, I can't, we can't just shake our heads anymore and let that be a thing. I, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that it is impossible for us to help other people see black people. You know, I, I, I'm constantly learning. I'm, I think if you're not learning during this time period, change your channel or go outside of the echo chamber that you have created. Do something. But there is so much education out there. Aside from all of the books that people are telling you to read and, and all of the different memes and everything on social media, which is great. All of those things are great. But I've been listening so much to a variety of people. And I think Ibram X. Mendy's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, has struck me the deepest. And I've really been taking my time with that book because I've been rewinding stuff and because I'm listening to it audibly. And I've been really trying to glean everything from it. And it's been there have been some big moments of gut punches in that book i've been kicked in the nuts i've been i've been awoken one of the early things really has been and i haven't said this phrase in a long time so i think this spoke to a younger version of me but when i heard people breaking down the fact that you cannot, should not be colorblind, that really was like an aha moment for me because that used to be something that I would say years and years ago, that I'm colorblind. Doesn't that make me great? I'm colorblind. People have been using that phrase, that description forever. And I can't wait to have that continue to just be buried right now. That is absolutely like a, I, I, I really believe for a lot of people, it's going to be very similar to the moment I had of, wow, yeah, now I get it. I get what, it, what I was even unintentionally meaning when I said that I was colorblind. I think honestly, like I haven't talked about this with any of my friends yet, but when I see lately for the past couple of weeks, I will see black people wherever, uh, in a store, on the streets, whatever. And I swear, like, there's a part of me that wants to jump out of my car and hug these people. If it wasn't COVID times, I would probably be making a few people uncomfortable right now. 
But like, I want to say like, have a great day. I mean, I don't know. Be strong today. You are beautiful. I believe in you. I am, I'm with you. I stand with you, whatever. Some kind of something to give them that moment of feeling like there is something giving them a little bit more energy to take on that day. I'll figure that out. I will. I'm continuing to learn, like I said. So hopefully by the time you've listened to this, I will have figured out how to do that best. But another thing that I just learned this week as well is something that I've been guilty of. And I don't know this will affect everybody differently, I'm sure. But a meme that one of my friends posted that said something about strong women. Don't tell me that I'm strong because the implication in that is that I've got this, is that I can handle it and I want to be treated like I'm soft. I want to be looked upon as if I do have human emotions because I do. Very bad paraphrasing of what the meme was, but that was kind of the gist of it. And I posted on my social media immediately, I am so sorry to all of my friends or any of you that I have called you strong because I have not at all meant it in that way. And I talked with her as well. And she was, she was not hurt by the fact that I have told her that she's strong multiple times, but there is a way for us to think about the things that we are saying. And I completely get that now. I didn't intend any, any of that in that way at all. Because really, like to me, as I have thought about it, I have really been a little bit in awe of any of my black female friends thinking what they maybe have to go through on a daily basis, even before, even six months ago. Because really, like, the difference between now and six months ago, as I see it, is things finally came to a head. And now we're all doing something about it. And this may be one of the, honestly, those hidden benefits of COVID. Because would this have all happened the same way if not for so many people being quarantined and being so frustrated with being cooped up? And on the other side of that coin, I will just say that I'm almost tempted to edit that out because I don't want anybody to think this. But the injustices that continue to be handed down on black people should have brought this to a head long ago, long ago. Like, I, I, I don't know why five years ago there was a man saying, I can't breathe so much to the point where NBA players were wearing a shirt with those words on it and it didn't still disrupt the system enough. And here we are finally five years later and how many other black people have had to die at the hands of the police. That's just one thing. That is one major thing, but that is just one thing because you talk about all the other things that black people have to deal with in their struggle for racial equality. And it is monumentous. I, I, I feel like I'm out of my zone here a little bit. So I will just say that. I know I've caveated that like twice already, but 
I'm hoping that this that this episode makes you think a little bit as well and potentially is something that gives you that inspiration. I don't know what to tell you to do because there are so many things we have access to at this time. There are videos all over. There are great people that you can follow on Instagram or on Twitter who are helping to educate others that are helping to point you in the right direction in love. I just watched something in his series. It's by Emmanuel Acho, and he's doing these episodes called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And he just released one. It's the fourth episode. And then I went back and I watched them all. It has been getting a lot of play lately, and it deserves every bit of that and more. I suggest you go find it. It's E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-A-C-H-O on Twitter. And you can find his whole series there that has been going so far. And there are people like this that you can follow or that you can continue to learn from and hear things from their hearts on what we can do. I know that it's very noisy out there right now. And I think there are easy ways for you to get involved, for you to help for you to help make a change and it starts with you it really does it starts with you and it works its way out and to you parents this has all changed so drastically the way I talk with my kids about some of these issues it opened up an amazing door for conversations that haven't really gotten to the point where they are now but I am weighing very heavily on that with them of their ability to continue to love and treat everybody in that same way with love and with care and to speak up to their friends if they are doing or saying something that is not right. And that will continue to go as the kids get older. I feel very fortunate in our school district and in our school, our kids are not growing up the way I did. (laughs) They aren't. I didn't have a lot of mixed cultures in my life. And I'm so happy my kids have a ton of kids at their school that are people of color, that are um, from India, from, and they have some Ethiopian kids in their school. There's so many great opportunities that they have, and I'm so happy that they have friends of all different colors and different cultures already. But What I was going to say, as parents, it's very important for us to help our kids to help this next generation and the one after that, potentially, question mark, to help them be different than what we were raised into, I think, for a lot of us. And I think as we continue to grow and continue to age and continue to kind of move out these old ideas that are not worthy of our time and should not still have any hold on society, I think we'll start moving into a better place. But it really does start with us and start in our homes. And we need to continue to be anti-racist and embrace what that means. So I don't know, I might have lost a few of you a few listeners with this, which if I did, (laughs) 
if I did lose people from this, I, I hope that you soften your heart and I hope that you find your way to hear some of the things that you need to hear. I really do. And to all of you that listened all the way through this and heard my message, thank you very much. I, I hope you guys got something out of this. Pass it along if if you feel inclined to. Um, I mean, if you know, if one person gets something positive out of this, then that is absolutely worth it. Of course, I hope that more people do, but I know there's not just me shouting things like this out. So I just want to do my part for something that that I hold so dearly and that means so much to me. So if you did like it, if you did share it, whatever, drop me a line. Let me know. DaddyUnscripted at gmail.com. I am DaddyUnscripted on all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all as DaddyUnscripted. A big thank you to Humphreys McGee for allowing me to have their music in all of my episodes. You can check that out at Umphreys.com. Check out the band. They're still streaming live stuff all the time. Who knows when there will be concerts again, but you can see older concerts and stuff like that. So check out Umphreys.com. Go to OsirisPod.com to see what other podcasts are out and getting put out by Osiris. Osiris has partnered with Jambase. Jambase is the place to help you find live music. They want everybody to go see live music. It's better for your soul. Of course, we can't go see live music, but they do have a spot on their site that tells you who is streaming, where, and when. So jambase.com for all of that. Again, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I will keep these rapid fire episodes going. I have so many um, great guests that I've recorded with that I'm trying to get out to you guys quickly. And I have more lined up, uh, not only for Daddy Unscripted, but also for the We're Here Alone Together series. I hope you guys are enjoying those as well. So keep an eye out for the next episode. It should be maybe a week or two before that comes out. So be kind to one another, love others, tap into your human kindness. And remember, what house is on fire right now? I'll just put it that way to you guys. Black lives matter. They more than matter. Matter is the minimum, however you want to say that. But I am fully on board with that idea. All right. Thanks, you guys. 